Well, hey, everybody, we hope that you're enjoying a great long weekend this weekend. And uh, in advance of our kickoff Sunday next weekend, we just wanted to take some time and reflect back on the journey that God's had us on over this whole past year through our study of the New Testament book in the Bible called the book of Galatians. And uh, Mike Krauss, our teaching pastor, has kind of carried most of that load. So he's going to join me in this conversation. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, you and I have done this once before where we talked about Galatians, but we were sitting a little closer together at that point. Uh, we're a little further apart today. Better than masking, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've sensed that a year or so ago, God wanted to do some significant work in our lives and in our church. And now a year later, especially with this COVID-19 pandemic, like it seems like that was a hundred years ago. And uh, so we thought there, there might be some value in taking a step back and looking at the whole arc of where God has brought us as a church family. And so we're going to dig in that into that today. And uh, Mike, I know that we had really kind of three chunks of the book that we worked through, one last fall, and then one in the spring, and then one we just completed uh, in the summer. And so I thought, you know, let's kind of go all the way back to the beginning and start off with, with that first chunk of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Um, what was going on there, and what was kind of the big idea? Yeah. It was in that first chunk of the letter that I think Paul was laying the foundation for everything that he wanted to get into the heart of the matter, I think, right off the bat, in addressing the question of what a life of faith actually is, what what comprises a life of faith. Because I think we're often tempted to complexify it a little bit in the sense that we think that a life with God has to do with what you believe, right? And of course, there are beliefs to a life of faith, or we think that it's about how you practice your spirituality and those exist, or it's about the goodness of your morality and, and behavior matters in a life of faith. But Paul is writing to remind the Galatians that none of those things are at the very heart of what it means to be one of God's people. At the very heart of a life of faith is simply the faith to receive the gracious love of God that God gives us for free in the person of Jesus Christ. That to be a person of faith means at its core that you have put your faith in Christ and received that love from God. And and remind us that, you know, that that anchoring of what the good news and the work of Christ and, you know, essentially what faith is all about. That wasn't just FYI. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter specifically to correct some teaching that was emerging in that community that was kind of taking them off of the purity and simplicity of that devotion to Christ. So talk about that a little bit and maybe, you know, kind of give us a sense of, of you know, maybe an anchor verse yeah. in that first section that sort of represents what Paul was really shooting for. Yeah, you can you can hear that confrontation or correction, I think. I'll, I'll read the verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. There were people in the community who were arguing that actually in order to be a person of faith, you really did need to believe in this way, or you did need to practice your spirituality in this way, or have this morality, that, that God wasn't going to accept you or embrace you unless you put your faith in Jesus and then did these other things. You had to have all your ducks in a row. 
And Paul, in saying, no one is justified by that. That is not what it means to have a life of faith. And God doesn't, God doesn't recognize that as a life of faith. The only way to have a genuine life of faith is to build it on the simplicity of receiving God's love through Christ by faith. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say his goal was for that church in that first move? I would say the clarity, the understanding that a life with God is by grace alone. It is God's free gift, and it is nothing that we earn or deserve. God gives it because God loves us. It is by grace alone, through faith alone. The only way to receive it is by a life of faith. You don't earn or deserve God's love and approval by believing well or being devout enough or being good enough. You it is by faith that you receive it, and that faith is in Christ alone, in his life, in his teaching, in his death, in his resurrection. Jesus did for us the saving thing. Jesus was the love of God for us. And so, however else we get distracted by, by other ways of thinking about faith, the heart of a life of faith is nothing other than or in addition to grace alone received by faith alone in Christ alone. Yeah, and it, and it felt as if to that audience that he was trying to correct, he's actually saying, listen, the gospel, the, 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 the news about Jesus you believe you're professing is actually a watering down yeah. or a pollution of that purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ by grace alone, through faith alone. Absolutely. Alone. They thought they were calling people to a higher standard. Yeah. And Paul said, no, you are watering down the yeah. power of grace. Yeah, that was the power, I think, of yeah. that first season yeah. for us as a community back last fall, if we can even remember that far back. Um, then we dove in to a, a kind of a second move where the Apostle Paul had some implications of that yeah. on the community itself. Talk about that for a moment. Yeah, if the first part is sort of rethinking the definition of a life of faith, the second part is rethinking what that means for the community. That Paul's impl the implication is if a life with God is exclusively receiving the gracious love of God by faith in Christ, then every single person who receives the gracious love of God by faith through Christ is a part of the family of God, is a part of the community of faith, regardless of whether their beliefs align or whether their spirituality is the same as yours or their morality is perfect. or Every person who's put their faith in the gracious love of God through Christ is a part of the family, period. Yeah, because it seemed like the message was, you know, to to this alternative uh, alternative voice in that community that unless you follow this prescription of extra rules and Absolutely. extra practices, you can't fit in. You can't be part of this. You're not a part of us. And so now Paul's correcting that to say what makes a person a part of us in the family of God is anyone who's embraced that purity and simplicity. That's the only requirement. Yeah. So talk about, you know, what would be a kind of poster verse or kind of an anchor thought in that section yeah. uh, of the letter. Yeah, I'll read Galatians chapter 3, verse uh, 28, where it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul lists kind of some of the, the main ways that 
human to human, we, we label and then judge each other, right? Based on race or ethnicity or religious background, based on uh, socioeconomic background or standing in society based on gender and sexuality. We have the, this impulse to label each other and then judge or assess each other, each other's worthiness of being included in us, right? And Paul says, listen, if the only requirement for belonging is grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, then all those others, other ways of labeling, judging, and excluding other people, those are all irrelevant. Anybody of any gender, ethnicity, religious background, anybody of any socioeconomic status or cultural standing, anybody of any gender or sexuality, anybody who's put their faith in the gracious love of God through Christ belongs to the community. You're all united together as one. And so what would you say was Paul's goal in that section? Well, I think when you begin to think that your life with God is dependent on what you believe, or it's utterly dependent on how you practice your spirituality, or it's dependent on your morality, you want to think that you're right, that the way you do it is the way God wants it, and because you want to be accepted by God. But then what we end up doing is, anyone who believes, practices, or, or behaves differently than we do, we have to judge them as being wrong, because we're right, so they must be wrong, and if they're wrong, they can't be a part of us or I can't be a part of them. And Paul's saying, stop playing those games. Root your identity in your faith in Christ. Give everybody else the opportunity to root their identity in the faith of Christ. Recognize that anyone who's put their faith in Christ is adopted into God's family, which means you're all siblings together on equal standing. You're all beloved children of God and behave that way as a family. Yeah, I remember that. You used the word adopted. That was significant for me was when the Apostle Paul was moving through the section on the spiritual way in which people belong. Yes. Once you've placed your faith in Christ by receiving his grace alone, you actually experience this spiritual process called adoption, and it's through adoption that you belong, Yeah. right? Not through your enslavement to these practices, habits, yeah. traditions, you know, moralities, other rules that water down the, the gospel. And so it, it was in that kind of anchoring in the spiritual process of adoption, that then it felt like the Apostle Paul kind of went on a bit of a tangent on how to live that way that became then the third move, what we talked about this, this past summer. So walk us through that in kind of a summary way. The neat thing about the adoption language, by the way, is that if everyone is adopted into God's family the same way, there, there's no one has the right to judge who else belongs. There are no natural born children. Right. We're all adopted the same right. way. But it does lead Paul to on this bit of a tangent because he has been so resolute to say it's not in what you believe it's not how you practice your spirituality it's not your morality that ultimately matters it's your faith in Christ you're free from all the rest of that stuff then the question has to emerge so then does it not matter how I live like right how do you live then right yeah. like it, are there is it genuinely no rules and I'm free to do whatever I want because I'm free from this whole religious rule keeping idea. And Paul affirms that his whole point has been that we're free from needing to earn or deserve God's love and approval by our religious behavior. But he says, but that doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want. You are now free for the first time to genuinely become a person of love. 
That's what the freedom is for. And if you think about a, a verse or a section in that third move, what would you say was sort of the anchoring heartbeat yeah. of, of that, that particular section? Well, he lays it out. It's the very first verse in that section where he says, you, my siblings, were called to be free from religious rule keeping and so on. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, the sinfulness of selfishness. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, if, if love is the goal, there are no number of rules or expectations that you could put on a person that will produce a loving person. You have to get that stuff out of the way. As soon as there's, you're talking about rules or religion, you're not talking about love. But Paul says, so Paul says, once you've got that other stuff out of the way, once the conversation is no longer about that stuff, now you're free to discover by the power of the Holy Spirit that God has put in you, you're free to discover the life that Jesus has invited us into, which is the life of Jesus, which is a life of love. Yeah. So what would you say in this particular move that the Apostle Paul really wanted out of these Galatian people? Yeah, I, he wanted to redefine. So if exclusion and judging is not a part of what it means to be a community of faith, I think he wants to redefine the kind of person I have to be and the kind of community we have to be or we will become if we have genuinely embraced a gospel that is by grace through faith in Christ. If, if we are a grace-receiving people, then we become a grace-dispensing people right? That if we have embraced the life of Jesus, God puts the life of Jesus in it, in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is a grace-dispensing life. So any person and community that is rooted in simply the beauty of receiving grace from God, they become a person or a community that dispenses grace, you know, when people are struggling or when people are struggling with sin, the response is grace. Or, you know, more proactively, the posture all the time is to dispense the life-giving goodness into the community of faith and into the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what we've received. Whatever we receive, that's what we're going to give. And it sounds like, you know, in this section is especially, there was a heavy emphasis on the reliance on the spirit of God to do that. Yes. Like where he started in defining the gospel is nothing that we can earn or deserve or do on our own. It's something we receive. The very life of love that he envisions and calls us to is also not something that we can do and earn on That's our right. own, but something we receive empowered by the spirit of God who, we talked about this later in Galatians 5, who bears his fruit yeah. through us. That, that, was a, that was a big kind of downbeat of that when, section. When you, when you receive God's grace through faith in Christ, what you actually receive is the life of the Holy Spirit. And having received it, that's what spills out of your life is the life of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is always only ever a life of love. Yeah. So, you know, I hope you can see this journey a, a little more clearly now. And when you, when you put all that together, this life of love in the power of God's Spirit among people who understand that they all belong, they all belong, not through anything that they've done, but through the 
grace that they've received yeah. through faith in Christ alone. You know, that's sort of the arc of the, the letter, the life that the Apostle Paul was inviting them into that we believe God's inviting us into. What would you say uh, ought to be some key takeaways for us today as a, as a community? I would say three for, from each section. I would say this letter ought to cause us to rethink what we believe a, a life of spiritual faith and growth and maturity looks like. It's not believing the right things. It's not being devout in the right kinds of spirituality or getting our morality all squared away and whatever. That a life of spiritual growth and maturity is defined only by your faith in Christ expressing itself in love. That's how we measure that's how we measure a person's spirituality. Does their faith demonstrate itself in love? And that's not, and Mandy said this a couple of weeks ago, that's not now a new rule to follow. That is, is the person leaning into the life of the Holy Spirit in such a way that their faith in Christ manifests in a life of love? I almost feel like just to speak into that a little bit, the, the question for all of us is, in what ways does my understanding of faith drift from that? Yeah. Because where Paul is trying to correct them, I need that corrective. Yes. We need that Absolutely. corrective. And, and it kind of begs the question, in what way do each of us need that corrective on a daily basis to stay true to the purity and simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And one, this leads us to the second takeaway, because if because we need that with regards to ourselves, but we also need that with regards to everybody else, else right? Because Paul redefines how we think about community yeah. so that we don't measure who belongs by the way our beliefs align and we agree. We don't measure who belongs by the ways our spiritualities align or by people who have the same vision of morality as we do. We belong together with people who have received God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and are allowing that to overflow in a life of love. When you see somebody who's put their faith in Christ and it is flowing out of their life in love, that is a person who is your sibling in faith, your equal in the community, the one to whom you have been united by, the, by God through the Holy Spirit because of Christ. Yeah, that as I understand my spiritual adoption yes. that is the basis on which I belong. I can embrace the spiritual adoption of others, even people or especially people different than me yes. in biases or, you know, morality values or things like that. People different than me to appreciate that we all belong sort of that unity in diversity yes. vision. Because and then finally, finally, <laughs> so we rethink what faith means for ourselves, we rethink what it means for community. Finally, we rethink what it tells us about who God is. God isn't, the whole reason the community gets pervaded by grace is because God is grace in God's very being. God is not hovering over us, waiting for us to get our beliefs wrong, or he's not hovering over us, waiting for us to not be religious or, uh, enough or to screw up with sin and selfishness or whatever. God is nothing but the outflowing of grace expressed through Christ that we can receive by faith. That, that it is literally grace alone and nothing else, by faith alone and nothing else, through Christ alone and nothing else. So this is why Paul, I want to read a couple of verses from the end of the letter 
This is how Paul concludes Galatians. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision nor any form of religiousness means anything to me at all. What counts is the new creation, the new thing that God is doing in me and in us by grace through faith in Christ, which is love, period. Yeah. And I hope for all of us who've you know, maybe just hitched in in the last couple of weeks to this journey as a church community or been tracking the whole year. Uh, I hope that this is compelling for you and uh, that it's not just clarifying in a, a head kind of a way, but that it really grips your heart in the kind of people that we understand God wants us to be. We've been inspired through this year to become these kind of people. And I think, you know, looking ahead at uh, some of the ways in which we're going to even dig into the Bible in the the new ministry season that we're about to kick off uh, is going to take that freedom in Christ kind of to the next level. And so we're, we're just super excited, not just about where God wants to take us, but where he's brought us, and we hope that some of these anchoring ideas, these identities of loved and adopted children of his can really sink into our hearts and pervade the way that we relate to God and rely on his spirit and the way that we relate to one another and are lovingly inclusive of other people who want to live that life of faith. That's our hope for all of us and the kind of community that we understand God wants us to be. So, uh, you know, looking towards next week, we hope that you'll all make it a priority to participate in our kickoff Sunday. But as we wrap things up today, we just want to celebrate these realities that our identity is in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, that as adopted, loved kids of his, we can be siblings together. And because of that, we can live by his spirit, a life of love to him and to one another, where every single one of us has a seat at the table together. And we felt like there's no better way to kind of land the plane in that way than to celebrate communion together. So that's what we're going to do now. We want to hand it over uh, to a facilitator to help guide us through that process. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next week.